At Sandy Spring Bank, we care about people, not transactions. So we concentrate on creating personalized solutions to start or grow a business that provides for your family, to purchase a home that will house the memories you make there, to save so you can enjoy today and then pass on your legacy to future generations. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk. Visit sandyspringbank.com slash real. Mortgage, home equity, and other credit products offered by Sandy Spring Bank. Welcome to episode 53 of Get Out of Rap. And today, is a, it's a first actually for Get Out of Rap. It's with a first with a an international um, guest, someone that I've got to know through the podcast. Joining me today from Amsterdam is Frank Saint-Etienne. And Frank is the Global Workforce Management Process Lead at Uber. Frank, Frank thanks very much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. And I really like the fact that you really try to pronounce my name <laughs> the French way. Uh, yeah, originally yeah, I'm French and now based in Amsterdam. No, no problem. We I work at um, BPA. We've got 43 different nationalities, I think. Um, and so that, you know, the, and having worked in Turkey where people tried to pronounce my name correctly, I, I've always thought it's something that we, we should do. I love the kind of global nature of our, of our industry it's brilliant it is yeah i have to say i'm pretty used to uh getting called frank <laughs> to be honest it's like my uh my name for a very long time now <laughs> so let's start at the at the beginning um you your kind of um great position global workforce management process lead for uh uber's fantastic but wh where did it all start for you in this industry so it started uh, around six years ago, I think. So I, I can rewind even a, a bit more. So yeah. I joined the, the military when I was uh, pretty young, just for two years uh, as, a, as a paratrooper. And after that, I just decided to take my backpack and travel around Europe and just, you know, a bit of freelancing work. Uh, I did also a bit of um, freelancing on a web design, this kind of things. Uh, and at some point, I just arrived in Portugal uh, a few years ago, and I decided to stay and finally settle down. And at that time, I wanted to have a more steady job, steady income. And I joined, of course, a call center in Portugal, in Lisbon. It's a huge call center hub, international hub for uh, contact centers. And I started my career as an agent just for a few months. And then I got a position as real-time analyst. And from there, you know, just the full spectrum of WFM, so RTA, Capacity Planner, Scheduler, uh, etc. in this BPO. And at some point, I got hired by Booking.com in Amsterdam to be one of the global capacity planner and kind of redesign the org we had for the partner-facing organization that we call Partner Services. Um, so pretty much WFM, but applied to different channels, uh, account executives, account managers in different local offices all around the world. So uh, a bit different than normal WFM, I have to say. Uh, and then at some point I was hired by Uber to take care of a big part of their EMEA business. Wow, I, I'm fascinated that, isn't it great the kind of journeys that people have um, been on in, con in the call center, contact center world? You, you've gone from being a paratrooper, and I think you're probably, that's another first, you're probably the first paratrooper um, that we've, you've had on, traveled, and then 
um, now become like a WFM uh, subject matter expert. What was it about WFM that appealed to you? Or was it, was it more opportunistic than that in terms of that transition from agent to going into workforce planning? I think it's a part of it was opportunistic, yes. And at the same time, uh, it was sold to me as very analytical, uh, very process-oriented uh, optimization and, and what we can do like on a day-to-day -day basis to really make sure that everything is working perfectly. It's a, it's a little supply chain uh, in, a, in, in our contact centers. And I have to say, I love yeah, analytics. I love math. I was teaching myself also these kind of skills, uh, even when I was an agent or even when I was doing a bit of web design and, and web development. So for me, it was just a yeah, natural evolution, I guess, of my skills, trying to do more, trying to um, yeah, do more analysis, et cetera. And then of course, uh, this is where I, I stumble up upon WFM, but at the same time, uh, it, it's a field that is so wide and at the same time, um, it can be very exciting and that's why i think uh, that's why i stayed and then that's why i i decided to continue my career in the in this field what are the elements that are exciting because i guess my background and i've got to know far more about wfm from doing this the, the podcast but my background's operations and i and i know my relationship with people in wfm I would get on with them on a personal level, but I didn't quite understand. They felt like they were stopping me doing some of the things I, I wanted to do. But I'm, I'm open-minded. I'm really fascinated by the elements that um, you say are exciting. What, what, what are those sorts of things? I think the the most exciting part is that we can always find better ways to actually do all this process around, right? Uh, it comes from forecasting. We can always have a, a role to play there, uh, even if we do not do the forecast, for example. So we can have insights, we can have inputs. Uh, and then from a staffing perspective, we know what makes sense also uh, with operation. We can, we can really have a very specific conversation about what makes sense from uh, hours of operation perspective or, or the, the different LOB setup that we have in a specific market. Uh, so I think that's what excites me the most is like the different, uh, the little differences between different markets and at the same time, kind of a central or global approach on those very defined processes that um, can apply kind of to everyone, but at, at the same time, we can really tailored to specific countries and, and always improve. I think it's, uh, I really like the, this kind of graph of what is WFM, you know, it's this kind of um, big, uh, big loop, big circle that, that starts, but it's always a process improvement, always. Uh, so I, I really like this. And I think um, it's, uh, you never can rest in a way. It's every week, every month, there will be something different that you need to integrate. And yeah, that's exciting. It never, yeah. you never rest. It's never complete. There's always something that. that needs to be uh, checked. I love that. This is the idea of continuous improvement. And was it, uh, um, you talk about kind of the different countries. Was it, was the first time that you were involved or leading WFM in, in a multilingual, you know, different geographical locations? Was that booking.com? Uh, so, 
at first I was an RTA for, um, it was a Dutch airline company. And then after that, when I actually became a capacity planner and a scheduler, then I was in charge, yes, of the booking.com account, yes. And what are the different challenges that you face, whether either there or where you are now, when you have got sites in different countries? Do you have to make allowances for cultural differences or...? Um, it's not that huge, to be honest. I, I think most of the, the BPOs we are, um, I mean, uh, making business with, they, they know, they are international. They, uh, they know how to interact with us. We know how to interact with them. I, I, I really don't think there's a lot of uh, cultural differences, at least with their WFM team, their ops team, their management. Then on the ground, could be, of course, but it's... It's not visible, to be honest. It's uh, very, uh, we have the same kind of discussion with all our partners. And we can't, we can't talk about WFM right now without talking about the impact that the pandemic has had. Talk, talk me through that. What was that like, you know, when that first, the magnitude of it was started to be realized and you, you had to make that transition from contact centers to the to home? Uh, that was that was huge <laughs> it it took us like uh, pretty much by surprise like everyone else i believe um and i, I think we had the the chance to really have uh, a lot of support from uh, everywhere like especially from from the global perspective global teams uh to make sure that everyone is aligned and then pretty much from day one we had big alignment daily with everyone from leadership team, extended leadership team from the different regional leads to inform us of what is happening and keep us in touch, like kind of a war room pretty much like every day. Uh, and I think we were extremely fast in providing, at least for the BPOs, we provided ourselves uh, AWS access to, uh, to the tools. So it was done very, very fast. Uh, that was not the main problem. I think the, the biggest challenge that we saw was from a forecasting perspective and, and kind of have an idea of what is going to happen, right? Everyone was a bit flying blind. I was like, okay, so what's going to happen? What is the optimistic scenario? What is the very bad scenario? Um, and how we will be able to uh, like check if our staffing is correct or not, uh, react to any little changes in lockdowns or things like that. And I, I think that was the the biggest part but we executed very quickly uh, and we didn't have that much challenge in the end so i think we ended that pretty well to be honest it's well it sounds it, it and for you we were talking just before we started recording it's like a, like a lot of us i guess it's been about a year since you were back in the in the office what's your how have you adjusted personally what's your setup like at home I imagine oh, you like minority report you've got about 25 <laughs> screens no 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 i i only have like two screens and technically the third screen of, of my laptop but uh yeah a little bit still quite of uh, a bit of real estate <laughs> um no it was uh it was okay in a way because uh i think that 
it was very the company was very supportive of what we were doing so we had also a lot of help from them even financial help we had a program that allowed us to get reimbursed for some of those uh, expenses let's say to make our home office uh, and i think the the hardest part especially in a in a role where you interact with a lot of different stakeholders in different time zones etc is really to take breaks for yourself, take breaks and, and be really conscious of, okay, that's the end of the day, or it should be the end of the day. I really should disconnect. I should close everything off, uh, get out of my little office, go to my couch and finally do something else. And I think that's the, the biggest problem. This kind of, where do you disconnect? When do you take the day off pretty much? When, when, do, when your day starts and when your day ends? Uh, but you get used to it. At some point, you you know that even some days I have some calls with a different time zone. So maybe it, they're going to be a bit late during the day. So I will indulge and take a, a bigger break in the middle of the day, for example. So it's it's something that you need to, to be very conscious about. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? Is there anything that um, has surprised you from a WFM perspective that you've learned as a result of the pandemic? Hmm. That's a good question. I think, um, yeah, I think, uh, for example, we have uh, here in Uber uh, something called the green light hubs. So those are specific locations, like in-person location uh, in different cities where the driver partners, delivery partners, they can go and they can receive support, uh, in-person support. And I think, uh, we thought uh, for a long time maybe that this was very hard to uh, deal with in a COVID situation, right? If we need to close those offices, what do we do for those drivers? What do we do for those delivery partners? And I think uh, one of the <laughs> biggest learning there is that you can pretty much virtualize anything, even something that should be in person and 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 people really liked to come to those little offices to really have a fast answer to their question even virtual answers would be also very helpful for them, like uh, video calls or yeah. appointments and this kind of things. And really you, you can learn that a lot of the customer support that we have, uh, even in the first place, we never thought that we could optimize it in this kind of ways. And it forced us to do this and we realized that it's possible. So I think there's a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of line of businesses, a lot of modalities that maybe we we for so long took for granted, right? And at the same time, we know now that the world is changing and people are accepting these kind of changes and they are okay with it. They can go with it and they are also very happy with the support we are providing them. That's great. Have there been any sort of trends or um maybe just kind of even the people that have now had to work from home rather than a central office, are you seeing anything different in their ability to deal with customer contacts or um, are they taking less time away from the phones, less sickness? Is there any of those trends that you're seeing? I think so, yes. Uh, overall, I would say the impact is very positive uh, like you said less sickness less uh, less absenteeism etc so that's the good part and the other good part is for example now we will uh, soon it will be ramadan right so we mm -hmm. need to plan for it and we know that usually at least when the people are coming to the office there's 
a huge amount of absenteeism. Um, they can only work a certain number of hours, etc. So we need to take that into account. Uh, and a lot of absenteeism, of course. But now we also know from last year that working from home, this is a clear solution for all of them. And there is almost no absenteeism. They can really uh, take care of their, their everything they had to do yeah. on their own, plus their work at the same time uh, in, a, in a much better fashion. So I think it's a great improvement. The, the only downside in a way is that, of course, it's technology. There can be a lot of problems. Servers can yeah. go down and, <laughs> and technical issues. But overall, yeah, I would say it's a, it's a big plus. I think um, just talking to people within the um, industry, one of the things specifically knowing I was talking about um, chatting to you today, someone was asked me to ask you around that they're seeing in their centre, and it's just a couple of centres, not um, spread around, um, but they're, they're kind of trying to get their head around the challenge of holidays so that they've seen people taking less holidays, maybe because they're working at home and no one really knows, certainly in the UK, we don't know when we can plan really to be able to take holidays again. Is that something you're seeing from your position? I think that's a very good point. Yes, and I saw it, to be honest, I saw it. Also, uh, what we saw is that, you know, we have so the, the rights part of the business and we also have the eats part of the business. If you follow the news, of course, you know that rights is impacted a lot by uh, by COVID, uh, especially the lockdowns, etc. But eats on the other side is growing like a lot. Uh, mm. So a lot of those contacts uh, and a lot of those LOBs specifically on the eats side were uh, growing and growing again and again and again. And we were sometimes lagging in staffing or we had some gaps. And of course, uh, I think there, there was this uh, kind of way of not really checking with the, with the different sides about this kind of things, about what kind of vacation the agent needs to, needs to take. Even if the lines are, are crazy or, or you need, mm. of course, to, to plan this with the different sites. And I think we, we forgot that a tiny bit, uh, at least on, on this side of the business. On the right side, yes, we were planning it, uh, especially because uh, if we were carrying extra capacity, then we needed to do something about it. And, and what else can we do? There's a lot of vacation, okay. <laughs> Pushing them to take vacation and then of course, training them maybe on, on different LOBs, et cetera. So I think on one part of the business, we did that well. And on the other part of the business, there was maybe a, a lag and we, we catched up now. So now we're all caught up with that. and But it's a great point. I think we, we had a, our reaction was maybe a bit late on this. Yes. But it's like you said earlier, it's this, this idea of continuous improvement is you take that learning and then you think, okay, how, how, can, we, how can we take that and not only make sure we don't do it again, but how else can we apply some of the learnings elsewhere, right? Definitely, yeah. Oh, there's my doorbell. <laughs> One of the challenges of working from home. Um, what else has kind of surprised you? Well, what are the, some of the learnings that you will take forward into the end of the pandemic that you think workforce management or some of the, the real-time analysis and data 
what will change in your techniques, do you think? Um, overall or just because of, uh, of COVID? Well, both. Both. Uh, no, overall, I, I would say that since, like we said, it, it's, a, it's a circle, right? It's, a, it's an improvement uh, loop, feedback loop. I, I think the, the biggest challenge usually, at least from what I see, is from a forecasting perspective. I think forecast is the foundation of WFM, right? Mm. How can we actually do the rest? How can we staff? How can we schedule if we do not have uh, proper visibility on what is going to happen? Uh, and I think there, there's still a lot of improvements to be had, uh, but at the same time, it, it's really having this kind of relationship with the with the different stakeholders. At least yeah. our stakeholders, our internal stakeholders, are pretty much responsible for uh, their own forecast on their side. And then, of course, we give our insights on what is happening on the ground. We check if it's correct or not. So, I think if if the forecast is good, then all our processes are really, really well in place already. And, and we know what we can also improve, but it's working perfectly. Uh, anytime there is a little miss or something is happening on a forecasting side, then of course the, the repercussions can be quite huge in the end. And I think uh, having this kind of relationship with the people that are actually handling uh, forecasting is, is really, is really the best way to go. So we have a lot of discussions between ourselves. We, we really, I consider them also kind of one team. We, we are almost mm. one team. And I think that's the kind of relationship you want to really uh, push and secure in, in your organization uh, when you are doing uh, WFM. So that's for me, there's still a lot of improvement to be had there, but overall that's, uh, that's one of the, biggest part I, I always insist upon because it, everything falls after that. Uh, but then from a COVID perspective, I, I think the one of the like one of the big push we did at least was really push for more cross training. And I think that's really important. Like have your agent skill on way more than just one LOB, one specific LOB, one modality. So if they can be cross-trained on, on different type of LOBs or even modalities, if the, they have the different profile, uh, then I think we really see the value of uh, slowly getting more and more of this in place. And the same for our different LOB setup. I think it's something that we improved a lot uh, over, over the, this period. Like how do we set up exactly the work that we are sending to our partners in, in the BPOs. Uh, it, it, does it make sense? Uh, are the team sm too small or are the team too big? What is happening with uh, different contact types that we're sending them? And I think the, the whole setup uh, pretty much uh, needed a, a little fix, especially with COVID and a lot of uh, contact types that were shifted uh, by, the, by the pandemic. So uh, this for me is the, biggest learning of COVID, like cross-train your agent, make sure that you have a very good relationship with everyone involved in your forecasting process. And yeah, um, always improve. <laughs> I think that's, uh, that, that's pretty much what I have in mind always. I love those. That's three great tips. Um, cross-train cross -train your agents to get greater flexibility of your, where you can put people, um, 
develop strong stakeholder relationships and always improve those are they're, they're great um just on the stakeholder and management and relationship building i guess it's something that perceptions are dangerous aren't they the perception sometimes you might have of wfm is that those aren't really the key parts of the the job but they really are aren't they and i guess as you progress as, as you've done they do they become more and more important the stakeholder relationships oh it does for sure i i think that's uh, uh to be honest is one of the biggest part of uh, of my day at work uh make sure that Yes. Uh, all right. For example, I, I see the, the forecast that is uh, coming to the BPOs. So I have a look at it. I know that is it realistic or not? Why is it dropping that much? So of course I reach out to the people uh, in charge of it and I check what is happening. If they have an insight, what is happening in their country, uh, then I need to inform the different um, POC, let's say in the in the BPOs, like, all right, so this is real. It is going to happen. So how can we make sure that we, we close those gaps or or here we will have some of the staffing. So uh, we need some training, but for training, I also need to speak with my internal stakeholders about LND, uh, is the training in place? Um, and I believe that most of my day is actually speaking to a lot of my colleagues and try to make sure to have all the answers. And the opposite is true. Uh, usually they come to me when they have any kind of question for, even the future of the market, like, oh, okay, we want to uh, change uh, one LOB or we want to take one LOB that we actually handle internally, for example, in one of our uh, internal uh, contact center, and we want to push that to the BPO side. Um, can you run the numbers very quick? And then I, I do that. And most of my day is, yeah, I, I think this is really uh, one, of the, one of the biggest skills that I have to display these days, for sure. Does that, um, just thinking about that then, when people come to you and say, dependent on your forecast or your numbers, they will or won't make a decision. Does that, do you feel that pressure that comes with that kind of responsibility? Of course. <laughs> I mean, uh, any kind of action that I'm taking, I'm, I'm pretty much responsible right uh, and, and accountable for what i'm doing what i'm saying to uh, the different vpos but also to to my different colleagues uh yes there there is a kind of pressure but um, at the same time i know that we are all working to make the best of it uh, so we can make mistakes it's fine it's not um, it's not the end of the world i hope <laughs> um, but overall yes there's a there's a margin for error um, and it's still, I would say, when we have clear roles and responsibilities, when we know which, which person is actually responsible or accountable for different things, different deliverables, then it makes things much less stressful in the end because I know what I'm responsible to. Um, and yeah, I, I think that's, uh, that's the key takeaway. Like if you know, the clear boundaries of the different roles, the different uh, people involved, then the stress is not really there in the end and, and mistake is, um, is always there. We can always learn from our mistakes. That's great. Has the, um, has the development of technology from a 
um, just the scheduling, forecasting maybe, as that has advanced, does that mean that within your world and your um, the work that you do, does it mean that more of that becomes about your interpretation of data and understanding the kind of so what you know the technology is telling me this what does that actually mean and then how you communicate that and how you use that to change or make um decisions what i'm saying is is a tech as a tech as, have you seen technology advance to the point where it can do a lot of the work and then that means that your position and the roles that you do that's changed slightly uh in a way <sighs> Uh, at least from my career, I have not seen so many uh, technological improvements, to be honest, on the WFSM side. I, I know it, it's there. I know uh, there's a lot of uh, new tools and, and, and suite of tools are much better at, at, like you said, giving you something and then WFM people have to interpret what the tool is actually telling them. It's not really the idea of uh, that I have because on our side, usually we have our own internal tools, especially in, in, in big companies like mm -hmm. booking.com or, or yeah. Uber. We develop our own tools. We have a specific uh, analytics team, you know, uh, analytics inside. So uh, if we need a dashboard build, if we need something built, then we can always reach out to those people and, and they can help us with that. So but mostly internal so that's why i'm like yeah not really and at the same time i know that we are pushing for it uh, like right now uh, specifically in this uh, in this new role that i'm that i'm going to take yes we have big projects let's say about technology and how we handle uh, everything that currently we do for our bpos like how we present the different forecast and, and capacity plan etc so this is internal and of course, we, we want to improve that too, and we want to build a, a tool that is more modern on top of what we currently use. So I think it's there, um, but at the same time, I'm not sure there's uh, one agreed upon big player that is actually yeah. taking a lot of, yeah. the, of the market share, you know? So that's yeah. why you hear a lot of little stories of a lot of little tools, uh, and it's very fragmented. Uh, I remember when I was uh, so uh, working in the BPO, uh, I was part of the team that actually uh, implemented Aspect uh, EWFM in the BPO. Uh, so I loved it and I, I saw the value of, of a tool like that, especially in a BPO. But then in a big company that actually send their work to the BPOs, I, I'm not sure if the, mm. if the those kind of technology uh, is really that useful, at least for now. That's yeah. uh, maybe we need an extra layer on top of that, you know. In a way, that's quite reassuring because it's kind of it's kind of aligned with um, conversations around technology in other areas, whether that is just in telephony or speech analytics or uh, IVR or chatbots, whatever. It's People know it's coming, they're thinking about it, maybe they've got projects to, to get it, but fundamentally the principles and the kind of the, the skills of the people that are in these departments, that's first and foremost, the most important part. Yeah, and I think also what is hard is to 
just differentiate yourself from other competitors, I guess. <laughs> Let's say you, you want to launch a, a new WFM suite of tools. Uh, what else can you provide? I mean, they, of course, AI is there. There's a lot of yeah, machine learning, new models that probably make sense. Uh, but also I remember when I was working at, at booking.com, I, I remember one of my colleagues that was uh, so in my team as a forecasting specialist, so uh, huge math uh, genius, let's say, uh, extremely good with forecasting. He was doing everything internally in, in R, Python. I helped him on that too. And <laughs> he created this absolutely huge model uh, to forecast what kind of leads are going to come our way. And at the same time, uh, he was doing also another model that was very, very simple, almost like, you know, simple moving average and, and checking everything. And in the grand scheme of things, when he was checking the accuracy of both model, the winner was almost the, the simpler model in the end. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very simple yeah. to just do a lot of average and pretty much that will be almost as good as a huge machine learning model that will give you the same kind of result. So innovation, yes, but at what price? You know, like yeah. what, is, uh, what, is the, what is the goal in the end? Is it to be a few percent more accurate, but have a very, very complex tool that only a few person can deal with? Or do we still continue with processes that are way more simpler, but at the same time uh, can be understood by uh, a lot more people? It's, it's great, isn't it? I like, well, I like that kind of, you've got someone who, who is a, like, like you say, a mass genius, but comes back to maybe something sometimes is he's got all this knowledge, but it's come back to something quite simple. It's kind of, um, it's, it's good. It's good to hear. For, for you, as I know you're interested in the industry as a whole. Um, where, what, when you think about the future of, customer contact, the future of um, contact centers, call centers. What, is it, what does it look like to you? I think it, it, it comes down to um, a, be a lot more in touch with what the customer wants. Uh, at least what I see, and we are really trying to push for that also at Uber is uh, what makes sense for different markets as modality mix, for example. So, other people really wanted to always call us or not, or is uh, a simple, um, let's say, email support enough, or do they want the chat? Because we know that chat, for example, is going like crazy. People really like the chat. I love the chat, for example. If I have the choice to pick up my phone or actually chat with a customer support representative, I will probably use the chat. So yeah. I, I think to be in touch with that as a WFM is also uh, as um, I know, let's say customer service as a whole, right? Contact contact support. So mm -hmm. I, I think that's really important. Trying to figure out what the customer wants, how the customer wants to interact with us, which channel, which channel should be the most important one, and then when we know that, what kind of improvement can we do uh, to the other channels because maybe they will be used less. So. What do we do? Do we improve that? Like you said, maybe better IVRs or automated uh, phone service or, or even automation on the email side because a lot of questions can be automated. So I think it's really uh, trying to, um, in a way, 
uh, get rid of as much interaction as possible, but at the same time, focus on really the important interaction. Only the interaction that really requires something a bit more in depth should be handled exactly the way the customer wants, but for the rest, it should be more about optimization, automation, et cetera, et cetera. That's really okay. how I, I see the, the, the moving forward. I love that. Because you're thinking about it's the focusing on the quality of the interaction is such a, such an important point. It's funny, isn't it? Because we, we call this a phone, but when it rings and it's a phone call, it, it, it worries me. I don't want to, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to answer it. It's because I'm like you and all any time I would choose if the chat is responsive and, um, quick helpful i will always choose chat always yeah also like on the phone i, I think like uh, if you were an agent at some point in your life you have a, a different view of what is a phone call right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when your headset is is just ringing call after call, after call after call in the in the peak hours yes yeah. at some point you even in your personal life you're like no okay um I don't really like the phone calls. A hundred percent agree with that. A hundred percent. The moment you've done one day on the phones, I think you're scarred for life, aren't you? You never want to. Yeah, you never want to take a call again. <laughs> <laughs> and then when, um, for you personally, you kind of um, had this fascinating kind of journey, and um, it's obvious you are a, a subject matter expert but for people who might be thinking about going into um, WFM or maybe they've taken that first step what's the what are the important bits of advice that you would you would give them I would say really like listen to <laughs> or try to get as much knowledge as you can from uh, people that are already in the field uh, like colleagues that are a bit more senior and can really uh, teach the ropes. Uh, and I think there's also much more training available than when I started, for example. Um, uh, there's a, also a, a lot of improvement on the, on the call center school uh, trainings, for example. But I know one of my colleagues uh, here at Uber uh, took it, uh, was extremely satisfied with it and at the, after that went on to be um, uh, certified you know by the society of workforce uh, planning professionals so that, that's the proof right that the training is working he learned also a lot from from us and and different uh, teammates in different teams so i think the in a way wfm uh, in in its core is not the most complex but then everything that is surrounding it and, and how, you, how you interpret the data, like you said, et cetera, and all this analytical work behind is really what makes you a subject matter expert on WFM or not. So I think, yeah, learning a bit of analytics always helps uh, deep diving into some data uh, and then learning from uh, more seasoned professional in your own org. That's it's still a field, I believe, where you learn from more senior people. Like there's tips, there's tricks that you yeah. can teach um, and yeah, different calculation or, or different scenarios. Like 
for different modalities, et cetera, et cetera. And I think uh, when you get all of those kind of scenarios properly uh, understood, then the rest is more, like you said, interpretation and deep diving, et cetera. I imagine it's, when you think about it, it's a really appealing route for people because there's always going to be, no matter how the future looks in terms of how we, I say we, uh, customer contact and call center professionals, how we interact with our customers, there's always going to be a requirement for WFM around that interaction, understanding it, reacting to it, forecasting it, regardless of what that interaction looks like. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think we, we are here to stay, <laughs> to be yeah. honest. Um, and, and we will expand. Uh, that's uh, my feeling is really that uh, more and more we will be not seen only as okay we need x people there and hire 10 people here you know it's more about all right what is the optimized setup what do you recommend us like more of a an internal consultant kind of job uh, where really your opinion is valued uh, people know that what you are providing is uh, not just better customer support but also probably a lot of potential savings or uh, how do you uh, interact with the different BPOs also from uh, billing or billing point of view, uh, how you can optimize that. Uh, and yeah, I, I think it's more, uh, it's becoming more and more like, all right, we want to optimize our customer service as a whole and WFM is there to help us doing that. Mm. And maybe that's how um, I've certainly changed my thinking around. I think if I could go back from some of the operational lead positions that I had, I would have utilized WFM far more around that optimization in terms of how can I make contact with the customers better, as opposed to seeing it as a um, bit more functional you know kind of how, how are we okay just checking in rather than kind of this kind of forward thinking um aspect definitely what um frank excites you about the you know, kind of the role you're in right now or when you look ahead to the rest of the year um and we all come out of we're all vaccinated and everyone's back to normal well what does no, what's normal going to look like for you, do you think? Well, <laughs> normal, yes. What is the new normal? That's the $100 million question. Uh, no, I, I would say the, I'm, I'm very looking forward, of course, to everything reopening. And I think the new normal, for me at least, will be in, on the Uber side of the business, right? Not just WFM, is when will we have, like... Uh, uh, an even better recovery on, on the right side, for example. So um, I know there's there at least a lot of things that are coming our way and it's going to be, I, I really don't believe that there's going to be a lot of changes, even, even when let's say everyone is vaccinated mm. and every, everything reopens. Uh, we took some steps towards a lot of improvement and like like you like we said also like virtualization uh getting more automation etc and and this is going 
this is not going anywhere and we we are keeping it uh, it it's working really really well and i think that's the new normal in a way like just continuing to improve what we are doing to this new kind of world um, but i can still see of course a lot of uh, a lot of our call centers like getting our agent back on the floor as usual or us coming back to the office so it's uh, maybe a bit easier also to have some meetings with our own colleagues and what i'm pretty much excited about would be traveling again of course yes. because yeah. uh, we were doing some visits in our different bbos right uh, like quite regularly and visiting them uh, getting this kind of interaction with them not just work like it's work and at the same time we're taking uh, the time necessary to build some good relationship with them and i think that at least will come back and all the rest will just um, pretty much follow upon what we build during corona well frank uh, sent etienne who global wfm process lead at uber thanks very much for joining me uh, for coming on um it's always been great to interact with you about um, some of the other episodes, and I know you're a keen advocate of what the good in our industry. So thanks very much for that. Um, yeah. Thanks for yeah. coming on. Thank and you very much for having me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Let's hope we can do another one face to face, but either in Amsterdam or London or another European city. That would be great. I would love that. You are always welcome here. Brilliant. I'll be there soon. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Thank you. Bye. Really hope you enjoyed that. Frank has always been engaged with the podcast right from the start. Uh, he's a really interesting guy, knows his stuff, and is exactly the kind of person hopefully you've enjoyed um, listening to. Thanks, as always, for your support of the podcast and listening. Really is appreciated. Just trying to let people know inside and outside the industry what a great industry the contact center world is and it wouldn't be an episode without me reminding you of our link with naomi house jack's place currently i am close to running 105 miles in march to raise 105 pounds there's over 100 of us doing it naomi house and jack's place is a children's hospice in the south of england for children who have life-limited illnesses. It's an amazing place. It sounds like it would be quite a sad place, but if you'd listen to the podcast with Lucy, uh, you'll know it's lovely. Hopefully you get a chance to check it out. Um, Naomi House, uh, just search that on Google. You get the website. Um, and if you want to help or support, please, please do. It's not just always about donating um, money. So thanks a lot and stay safe, everyone. We're getting there. We're coming out at the end of lockdown and hasn't the contact centre industry done well? So let's give ourselves a pat on the back. We're not quite there yet, but we're getting there. All right. Take care, everyone. Thanks. Bye bye. At Sandy Spring Bank, we care about people, not transactions. So we concentrate on creating personalized solutions to start or grow a business that provides for your family, to purchase a home that will house the memories you make there, to save so you can enjoy today and then pass on your legacy to future generations. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk. Visit sandyspringbank.com slash real. Mortgage, home equity, and other credit products offered by Sandy Spring Bank. We're gathered here today to join Mike and Jill in holy matrimony. 
so they may file jointly this tax season. And you are? April from Tax Act, the tax filing software with the expert guidance to help you file for less and get more. Works for me. So, Mike, do you take this woman to love, honor, and get her a maximum refund? I do. Jill? Ditto. I now pronounce you married, filing jointly. I always cry at filing status updates. Tax Act. Switch to Tax Act today and start for free. See taxact.com for details.